Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Well, this morning we're going to be doing part two of Fight Club. I kind of yelled a bit in the first service, so if my voice is not so good, just bear with me. But I believe this morning that we're going to be having a powerful message on prayer. But we've got to start right by praying. And above all, my goal from this message is simply that you decide to join the fight. That you simply say, I am willing to be part of the fight club. And the thing I want us to take away this morning is that it's not hard to pray. It's not that we have to learn a whole lot of steps of how to pray, but we simply just pray. We simply just pray. So church this morning, let's start by praying. Heavenly Father, I thank You. Thank You that You are here with us right now. Where two or more are gathered in Your Name, You are here with us. Lord, this morning, I'm asking, reveal Yourself to us in a greater measure. I pray that You would enable us to become people of prayer, people that seek Your face, people that know Your purposes. Lord, in this room this morning, Equip us, fill us by the power of Your Holy Spirit that we would know what it is to pray and see things change. That we would know what it is to push back the forces of darkness that prevail against us and see Your Kingdom come. Lord, this morning, let the Spirit of the Lord rise up in each and every one of us, I ask. In the mighty Name of Jesus and every person said, Amen, Amen. All right, well, this morning, I wanna take, Pick up where John left off. I mean, that was a powerful message that he preached last week. And I enjoyed watching it on YouTube afterwards. Thanks so much, Joe. But to be committed to being a prayerful person means we simply choose. We simply decide that we are going to join the fight club, that we're willing to take up the fight, that we're willing to pray in the fight, that we're willing to see a situation turn around, that we're willing to pray. You know, I know that sometimes we find that prayer is a hard thing. There is no greater assignment of the enemy of our soul than to stop the people of God from praying. That's his number one goal. Because you see, there is nothing more powerful or effective that you do in your Christian life than to pray. Nothing. No work, no service. Nothing that we do before God is as powerful and effective and important as our prayers. They are the thing that God covets. They are the things that He longs for. They are the things that He treasures. Do you know that our prayers rise up to heaven like incense? They are a perfume before the very throne of our God. They are so precious to Him. There are two things that are so precious to God that He makes great note of them, our prayers and our tears. And our prayers rise up like a fragrant offering before God. So this morning, the greatest ministry we have, the greatest role we ever do is the one that nobody sees sometimes, the one where we just choose to draw aside and lift up a voice of prayer. Or even if we pray with our mind or we write down our prayers, it doesn't matter what form, what form our prayers take, but just that we simply make a choice that we will pray. You see, we have an assignment We have an assignment, and our assignment in prayer is simply this, 
to bring heaven to earth. See, Jesus showed us in the Lord's Prayer how that assignment was to work when he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, it's a fight for us to see God's will done on earth. Why is that? Because of the entrance of sin into our world. Because of the entrance of sin into our world, we have this human struggle, this human struggle with sin and our world that struggles with sin. And so also we have the very real spiritual opposition of the fallen devil seeking to cause us to go off course. So we have this struggle, as John said in the first message, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the unseen realm. So my friends, when we face a situation in the natural, we are not just praying for our circumstance to change, we are praying for a spiritual atmosphere to change. We are praying for things to shift in the heavenly realms. We are believing that the God of the breakthrough would answer our prayer and bring the breakthrough. You see, God is wanting heaven to come to earth. He's wanting His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way that that is made effective or affected upon earth is through, my friend, your prayer. Nothing is more coveted by God than your prayers. So I want us all, if we do one thing, it's walk out of this room and pray. Maybe you don't feel like you can open your mouth, then write it down. Write down your prayer. I've written many a prayer down in my prayer journal. I've thought many a prayer with my mind when I've been in places where it's una- I'm unable to pray aloud. But also open your mouth and speak aloud the command of faith to see situations change. You know, I'm sure that as we talk about prayer, we understand that the position that we fight from is one of victory that Jesus has already won the victory when He said it is finished on the cross, that we've already achieved the victory. So when we come to pray and we come to push and we come to fight, you see, the victory has already been achieved. The Bible says that, that God, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. See, how long did the fight last? Whew, how fast is lightning? See, we already have the victory and God threw Satan to earth like lightning. That's how quick He defeats the devil. So my friends, although we travail and we prevail in our prayers and we push through, my friend, the victory has already been won. So when we start to pray, we must pray with no doubt and no concern that our prayer will not be effective because we already have won the victory through Jesus Christ, through the work on the cross. It is truly finished. And my friends, we take hold of that prevailing power when we give voice to our prayers. You know, many people... I'm sure, including myself, will testify with, uh, with, for you this morning that prayer changes everything. And most importantly, it changes us. Prayer changes us from the inside out. When we begin to pray, it's not just the things around us that change, the circumstances and the situations and the struggles that we may find ourselves in that lead us to pray. Perhaps the pain or there can be different things that prompt us. To, to pray or push us to pray. But the reality is that prayer not only changes things around us, it changes us. It changes us. It makes us a different person. See, this is what the devil does not want us to know about joining up to the fight club, is that we will be changed. 
we will become who God always destined us to be when we begin to pray. That's what the devil doesn't want the Christians to know. See, prayer is not only the power to change things that we see around us, it changes everything about us. So I want to share this message this morning about how prayer changes us. You know, one person says this, prayer is the key to the morning and the bolt of the evening. I really love that. The key to the morning and the bolt of the evening. Two things in this. We are seeing that prayer is the key to unlock things. And we see that we have been given the keys of the kingdom. See, God hasn't put us here to live out this life without being able to see things happen. He's given us the keys of His Word and prayer. And whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we bind in heaven is bound on earth. Whatever we loose is loosed. See, we can bind and loose things. And I don't think I want to talk about that too much. But the point is that we have authority to bring change to our situation. We can speak out a word of faith that causes things to cease and desist. To illustrate this, uh, just recently I got contacted by Facebook Messenger. To be fair, I heard the little ping go off and it was a miracle I even got the message. <laughs> I don't really go on Facebook too much, it's so full of confusing things. And uh, it can be overwhelming, anybody else with me? It used to be so simple. <clears throat> then adverts came in, it's terrible. But I got this messenger ding, and I was like, okay, and I saw it, which was a miracle. And this lady from Asia contacted me, and she said, uh, the son has gone missing. We, we love him, and he's missing. He's posted on Facebook that he's going to take his life, and now nobody can find him. He's AWOL. His family, his friends are searching for him, trying to find him. Please pray that he will be found. So I immediately began to pray. And I texted the intercessors and asked them to pray as well. But you know what I began to pray? I began to use my key, my key of the kingdom. I began to bind a spirit of death and a spirit of suicide. And I began to unlock a spirit of hope, that hopelessness would be defeated by the hope of Jesus Christ flooding into His situation, that that which was lost would be found because that's God's will coming from heaven to earth. See, we begin to take hold of the keys of the kingdom. She contacted me two hours later and said, He has been found. Praise God, He has been found. We can take hold of the keys of the kingdom. Now, we still need to pray for this person because there is a spiritual battle in the heavenly realms for his soul. So we continue to pray that life, the life of Jesus Christ will be evidenced in his life. Amen? Amen. But we begin to understand this powerful principle. I love that this quote says, it's the bolt of the evening. See, what it's talking about is the fact that prayer is like a hedge of protection around God's chosen people. It's like a hedge that keeps us safe. It's interesting to me that Daniel understood this. Daniel, who was with King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel would rather keep praying. He knew the safety of prayer than worry about being thrown into the lion's den. You see, prayer is safer for him to keep praying than it is to worry about some lions. Does that make us understand that someone who had a revelation of prayer like Daniel thought it's safer to keep praying than to stop praying? I'm not sure about you, but I would have thought it was much safer just to stop. God would understand. 
a few days where I ceased from my prayers because I didn't want to go before the faces of some hungry lions. I'm sure Daniel had seen many times what happened to a person that was put in that lion's den. And yet the terror of prayerlessness was greater than the terror of the facing a lion. Some of us need to get a little bit more excited about prayer and start to forget about our prayerlessness and understand the safety and the security that is found when we take hold of this prayer, this key that God has given us. You know, I wanna, I wanna tell you that this morning, this message is really coming from my heart. Prayer is something I love. Prayer is something that has changed my life. Uh, <clears throat> probably the most Christian books I've read are on prayer. But when I... When I Excuse me, when I came to write this message, I didn't want to give us keys to prayer or how to pray or, you know, I mean, immediately you go, the Lord's Prayer. I want to teach the Lord's Prayer. Take us through how we should pray. You know, I desperately wanted to do that, I promise you. But the truth is, that might not help us to pray. What we have to do is understand some simple things. And so I'm going to give us four things very shortly that I think will cause us to want to pray. So my, my hope is that you leave this room this morning wanting to pray more than anything else. But personally, my life has been shaped by prayer. When I was 19 years old, I was involved with a Christian performing arts school and we toured around New Zealand, going into high schools and then running a concert on the Saturday night in small towns and cities throughout New Zealand. And we put on this concert on Saturday night, packing in all our gear into little halls and convention centres up and down New Zealand. And as we, we went in on the Saturday, the boys got to work out pretty quick that they should keep me out of the production gear. So massive shout out to our production guys. You guys are awesome. I can't do your job, seriously. <laughs> I am in awe. <laughs> so once they had too many leads, they couldn't untangle and things like that they said, don't do any more helping. And so I went and thought, what can I do? Because everybody's working hard, they're using their muscles. I wanna use my muscles. I wanna get busy, be part of the team. And so what I did is I realized I could do something. I could run the Salvation Counseling Rooms and prepare the place in prayer and prepare the night in prayer. So what I did was I put myself in the room and I began to pace up and down and I began to pray and I would pray over that town. I would pray over that part of New Zealand. I would pray over that night, over those young people that salvation would come. And I know that the prayer not only perhaps helped change what we did that night, but more than that, it changed me. It changed me. After that year, I promise you, I was a different person. I was not the same person that had started out that year. So some days, you know, I would, one time I prayed for eight hours. That was like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Haven't really been able to achieve that since. But five hours sometimes felt like five hours. Seriously, it was hard work. It wasn't always like, oh, I'm walking in the glorious presence of the Lord. But sometimes five hours felt like half an hour. I couldn't believe where the time had gone. And you know, in those moments where you bind and loose the spirits and territorial spirits and start to pray into atmosphere, but above all, above all, pray that the lost would be found, that those that have bound in darkness would see the light of Christ and have a revelation of Jesus. In those moments, there was no place I would rather be. But prayer completely changed me. And I believe that prayer 
prepared me for what God had for me. See, God is always going ahead of us into our future. He's always ahead of us. He knew about the earthquake before it happened. He knows what's going to take place in Wellington. Don't worry, my friends, about the prognosis of another earthquake or a big event. Don't worry about that because God has already gone before us. Worry about today. There is enough trouble in today, yes? So we focus on today. But when we begin to pray, God prepares us in advance for everything that is to come. Prayer is our preparation to be a people that have an action bias, not a people that would sit back, but a people that are ready to stand up. The first thing I want to say this morning is that prayer is a place of restoration and preparation. Restoration and preparation. I want to speak from the life of David. David, we know him well, the shepherd boy who becomes a king. But David discovered the restoration work of God through having a life of prayer and a life of worship. I mean, David was relegated to the back blocks of Bethlehem. It was before Jesus Christ had come. No great star had shone over Bethlehem. It was not a particularly a great spot in the world. Nothing significant happened. It was a very ordinary field, very ordinary sheep, very ordinary job, very ordinary life. Does anyone sometimes feel like that? That we're just living a very ordinary life in the back blocks of the location of where we're in. But God doesn't just look at our ordinary. He makes our ordinary extraordinary because David didn't position himself in a field in Bethlehem. He positioned himself in the throne room of heaven. And because he positioned himself there, not only was he restored, he was changed. He was prepared. He was prepared for everything that he would face. You see, he, became, he went from shepherd boy to leader and king. But he did that through a life of prayer. We know, of course, David had massive insecurities. He was rejected by his family, shut out of the family, sent off. He had all the hand-me-downs passed down to him. He was like the runt of the litter. Nobody cared for him. So he should have had the worst insecurity you've ever encountered. His ego should have been low. He should have been suffering from massive rejection, not voicing his own opinion, shrinking back from situations. But instead, we see a boy who is set free, who is confident, who knows his own voice and opinion, who is secure in his identity. He was fully restored because he had been in prayer. I want to tell you that God does a transformative work of healing, inner healing and restoration when we pray. The issues that we are not even aware of, somehow God just causes them to rise to the surface and come out in prayer. Suddenly we might find ourselves crying or we might find ourselves remembering a situation from the past. And that, while that can be painful, God is doing a work of restoration within us to prepare us to prepare us for our position. So while we might be positioned in the ordinary, God is preparing to position us in the extraordinary if we would be a people who pray and allow Him to prepare us. You know, parents, I just want to encourage you all this morning. Maybe you pray with your children. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't pray those rote prayers. Don't pray a rote prayer that you learned growing up. Throw out Throw out, throw away every religious prayer. Throw away every line you already know by heart. My friends, pray from your heart. Pray from your heart. When you pray with your own children, don't pray the prayer that you know. Pray the prayer that feels right. You know, I know that 
For some of us, our children might only hear us pray for a car park. (laughs) Oh dear Lord, give me a car park, especially right now. Anybody else with me? Car parking challenges, first world problems are real right now. So I've got to admit, my children have heard me pray for a car park. However, they have heard me pray for more than just a car park. So I want to encourage us that we pray from our heart. You see, when we pray the salvation prayer, the Bible says that we, from our heart we believe. We pray and confess with our mouth, but from our heart we believe. We need our heart to connect with God's heart to move heaven to earth. Amen? So let's throw away the rope prayers and just begin to pray. The second thing this morning is that prayer is our source of strength. Are you enjoying that this this morning? Good. That's nice. Prayer is our source of strength. 1 Samuel 17, verse 33, it says this. This is from the life of David. When David sees Goliath, he's had no experience fighting a giant. But let's see what he faces and what he does in response. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. See, prayer will teach us persistence in the face of great and mighty obstacles. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. It doesn't really sound like a good accolade there. How is that going to prepare you to face off with the giant? (laughs) When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. We see that David has a source of strength. He has a source of strength and training that didn't come from shepherding 101. He wasn't taught how to face off with bears and lions. Oh my goodness. You know, I was just recently in Alabama and bears are a very real thing there. I've always thought about the lion and being like, oh, but actually in Alabama, if you face a bear, unless you've got a shotgun, you're in serious mortal danger. And even then you need to be a good shot. So the only advice they give an unwilling person who's facing the bear is this, Speak in a calm voice and back away slowly from the bear. (laughs) So surely any sane or sensible person would at least attempt to back away slowly. But David, he has the Spirit of the Lord rising up on the inside of him. He has been trained with strength for war. He's fought a battle in the heavenlies, so he's prepared right now in the natural for the fight in front of him. So he sees that lion, he sees that bear, and he grabs it by the tufts of its chin and he gets his club and he bashes it to death. Oh, it's awesome, isn't it? (laughs) It's better than Braveheart. He's bashing the bear, he's bashing the lion with his bare hands. Does anyone think, oh, like a manly man, that would be amazing. I would encourage John not to fight the bear and the lion. (laughs) It would not be good, but... Although he's very strong. (laughs) Anyway, I digress, I digress. So there David is. He takes down the bear. He takes down the lion. And he understands that it's because the Lord is with him. 
Because when he speaks to Saul, he says, the Lord is with me. The Lord is not with that person. The Lord is with me. See, when he saw the bear with the lamb, he's like, I will not let you take my lost sheep. I will not let you get away with this devil. You come to kill, rob, steal and destroy. But I know who I am. I know whose I am. And I know who is fighting for me. So you will not win. You will not have the victory. I am taking back the fight to the devil. And I am not letting him get away with this. See, in your life right now, you might have a challenge. You might have a bear or a lion and it's talking to you and it's telling you to quit up on your marriage, to give up, that it's too late, that this is a lost cause. Maybe you're in debt, you can't see the way out. Maybe there's a temptation that you just keep face to face and you keep thinking, I'm still in the cycle. And Cy talked about this, but I'm still trapped in this cycle. My friends, do not give up. Do not give up. Let the Spirit of the Lord change you into a fighter that would stand your ground. Take the fight to the devil. My friends, we're gonna stand and fight. We're not gonna shrink back, but we're gonna club that bear in the face in Jesus' name. (laughs) You know, we could be facing challenges, but prayer is our ability to find strength to keep on going. The prayer that you pray will give you strength. Prayer is a source of strength. And David understood that. The third thing is that prayer is our place of transformation. Prayer transforms us. You know, we see this passage where David talks to Saul, and you can read it later, but it talks about the fact that Saul tries to give David his armor. And and David's like, no, I can't take your armor. I'm going in with what I know. See, prayer will teach you who you are before God. You will find that your gifting, your talent rises to the fore, that you know what you are called to do and who you are called to be. Prayer transforms you. He knew he couldn't put on Saul's armor. He couldn't take somebody else's breakthrough. He had to live out of his own revelation, of his own revelation of the strength that God had given him. He didn't rely on what someone else had to win the fight. He had been fighting the fight and he knew how to fight. My friends, when we begin to pray, we are transforming ourselves. We are changing. We are becoming more like Christ. See, we know that when that final day comes and the trumpet sounds, that we will be transformed in an instant. In the blink of an eye, this mortal body, this mortality will be swallowed up in immortality, eternity, death, where is your sting? We know that that will happen. But the closest we get on earth to that transformative power that changes us to be more like Christ is, my friends, when we pray. When we pray. See, Moses knew what it was to go up the mountain and the glory of the Lord would cover him. He was so beautiful and shining with the glory of God because of his prayer life and his walk with God. Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray. He had to keep his lifeline to God. He knew the transformative power of prayer to take his mind off the situations, off the natural, to keep the spiritual always before him. My friends, the Fight Club It's not for the faint-hearted, but we can all do it. We just start, we just open our mouths and we just say, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight. Come on, put your paws up, fight club. One, two, three, fight club. Oh, if you're with me, if you're gonna say, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna pray. Put your hands up, one, two, three, fight club. Oh yeah, that's good, that's good. It's feeling great in here. All right, prayer transforms us. See, David, this is so amazing. He was a boy. And they let him go on the field. Why? Because he was a man of prayer and he knew who God was. But the prayer had done something in him. 
He goes out, he faces Goliath, he wins the fight. He wins that fight. And from that day on, he never loses another military encounter in his life. See, what we begin to see is that when we have won the fight, we keep the victory. See, whatever you have had the victory or the breakthrough over in your life, you don't lose it. Whilst you might have had a season, my friend, of prayerlessness, you can step right back. You can step right back into the breakthrough that you once had. God does not take back what he has already given. And once David had the victory, even though he had some personal troubles, let's not dwell on that today. He stepped every time he stepped on the field, he already had the breakthrough because he'd already prayed it in. He'd already prayed it in. And my friends, prayer changes us. He never lost a single military encounter ever again. He went from shepherd boy to one of the greatest military leaders Israel had ever seen. That's what God does when we pray. Imagine that kind of transformation in your life. Who does God want you to become? Who does God want you to be? My friends, if you choose when you're out on the back blocks of Bethlehem in your ordinary life and your ordinary existence to dig a well, to start to pray, to start to worship, then we don't know what God will do through us, in us and through us to the world that we live in. You know, the victory David had was also something he could pass on. He became a great military leader. His transformation transformed the people around him. And I love that God's kingdom work always flows on like a river, like a river. What we have, we pass on. Yeah, the receipt is in your bones and you pass it on. Remember that? Okay, so get this. He became one of Israel's greatest military leaders. And what does he do? He takes a ragtag bunch of disconsolate men who are, you know, wrapped up in their insecurities and their rejection. They haven't had a prayer life. They haven't been transformed in worship. Man, they're pretty filthy, rotten, dirty sinners. Anyone remember that? They're pretty bad. They're in a bad state. But because David is their leader, they become some of the greatest fighters. They become called great mighty men. They become a military army that people are afraid of because what he has won, he can pass on. See, prayer transforms us to transform others. Oh, my friends, when we understand the power of prayer, we would not cease to pray. We would not become prayerless. We would not stop praying, my friends, when we begin to recognize the power that is available. That's the fourth thing this morning is that prayer is our place of power. Prayer is our place of power. James 5 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Or the King James says, or avails much, which means makes available God's power. Makes available God's power. Oh, I love that. That when we pray, I mean, You know, God's power, if He creates the world, flings stars into space, and when we pray, we are making available God's power. Oh, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Oh, my friends, wouldn't we pray if we understood the power that we had when we prayed? And that, my friends, is why you fight to pray, why you sometimes delay the pray, while you sometimes just think, I'll just watch some TV, my friends. Get on our knees, stand to your feet, stand on the wall, find a posture of prayer, wave it for God on your face, whatever it is, do whatever you can because that is when you are at your most powerful, is when we pray. Oh, nothing scares the devil more than a bunch of praying saints. Oh, we're gonna storm the gates of hell in this nation. 
This nation will be changed by a bunch of saints who say, I'm not gonna be prayerless, I'm gonna be prayerful. I'll be a prayer warrior. I'm not gonna just give up. I'm not gonna let the devil have his day. Oh my gosh, this is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day and I'm gonna make His name famous in New Zealand. But it's gonna take the prayers of the people because you see the church is only built through prayer. What we're endeavouring to do next year in February, it's only gonna happen through prayer. The church is always built on a foundation of prayer. The lost are saved through prayer. Oh, God covets your prayer. Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you just pray? Would somebody just pray? Oh, seriously? Seriously, if you did nothing else, just pray, just pray. Just pray, just pray. Oh, rise us to heaven like incense. It's beautiful, God treasures it. It's precious. Oh, let's pray. God will answer when we pray. I just wanna bring this to a close with an amazing story of the power of prayer. There's a man called James. James Stiegel, he was in Vietnam. He was living through the horrors and the terrors of the Vietnam War. He'd been at the war for two years. He wasn't a Christian, but he had praying relatives. And two years had gone by and he got to the point where he was over it. He was sick of the war. The horrors had made him sick. He was living in a dark place. And he got to the point on February 26, 1968, when he just prayed his life would end. For two years in the pocket of his military shirt, he had carried around a Gideon's New Testament of the Bible, just a little one, but he'd never read it, he'd never touched it. And then on this day, he felt like the darkness had overtaken his soul and he just wanted to die. As he's in the grease pit, in the war, in the trenches, suddenly this missile or some kind of bomb type thing lands in his trench. And he thinks this is it, he's counting down, he's thinking this thing is going to explode. But the fuse malfunctioned, it didn't explode. He sat there for five hours waiting for it to go off. He sat there afraid and fear and horror. And after five hours, he finally decided to pull out his New Testament Gideon Bible. He started to read at the beginning, which was the book of Matthew. And he started to read through the book of Matthew. And when he finally got to the point of reading Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 to 20, he knew that he would be okay. He didn't know how, but he just knew he would be okay. Sometime later, Jim went back home. And then he went to visit his wife's grandma. When he was there, she told him about this one night when she had woken up in terror and began to pray for his life. She had arthritis, so she couldn't be on her knees. She'd been on her face before God, praying, praying for Jim. She knew, she felt the terror of the situation. She knew something wasn't right, and so she prayed for him. And then she began to read the Bible as well and pray, and she just didn't feel like she had got any peace. And then she read Matthew 18, verse 19 to 20, which says, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. 
For where two or three gather together because they are mine, I am there among them. So she called a friend to come over and pray with her. And they prayed until they had peace. She showed Jim where she had written next to that scripture in her Bible. Jim, February 26, 1968. She didn't give up too soon. She didn't give up. She kept on praying until she had peace. Some of us, we want to be part of the fight club. We've got to realize we've got to stand. You know, it doesn't matter how you pray. It doesn't matter the style. There's no prescription. But what matters is just that you pray and that you do not give up. Do not give up. Somebody's freedom is relying on that. Somebody's destiny is relying on your prayers, my friends. Your future, who God wants you to be. Your future, where God has gone ahead of you. It's relying on your prayers right now. Oh, my friends, would we be willing to join the Fight Club? If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.